This is the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We welcome you. Today is Sunday, March the 20th, 2022. Today's sermon from Pastor Scott Gordon is a continuation of his study in healthy habits with Go With Good News, discussing evangelism and discipleship, highlighting Matthew 28 and Matthew 5. And now, over to Pastor Scott. Well, if you'll open your Bible to John chapter 9, we'll be headed there among other places. We'll give Becky her Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, it's good to be home. You know, I was thinking this week and, and just about how good of an evangelist we are in so many ways. Like I could tell you this morning, I was talking earlier about a book that I'm about 10 pages from finishing, so I'm going to say that I'm finished with the book for now, that I would recommend everybody read. It's a book called Faster by Neil Bascom. It is a fantastic story of the European Grand Prix racing circuit in the 30s and early 40s. And the story of a driver by the name of Rene Dreyfus, who was a French citizen of Jewish background, competing in the the rallies and the Grand Prix racing during that time frame And when you think of Europe, yes, we think of Nazi occupation, Germany, and all of the tension of World War II coming out of World War I and all of the history that is there. The book is a fascinating read. And I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. That's half the, the fun of teasing that. But how many of us get a book? How many of us see a movie? How many of us go to a restaurant and it's the greatest thing ever and we cannot wait to tell somebody else about it? That we find ourselves just going, man, have you been to this place? Have you heard of this? Have you seen this? Have you read this? And there's an enthusiasm that is there. And I want to, in these weeks that are in front of us, as we come to this habit of evangelism, our witness, to stir up in us an enthusiasm, to challenge us to that kind of enthusiasm, to help encourage one another to that kind of enthusiasm to talk about Jesus with others. Now, here's where we go. I can't do that. I I, I can't do that. How many of us in our Sunday school classes or right here are willing to tell each other about, man, did you read this book? Did you see this Bible study? Did you watch this video, teacher? Did you see, hear this on the radio? Did you watch this movie about Jesus? Did you, or did you, and we get all excited telling each other about it. So here's the deal. Yes, we can. We can talk about Jesus with an enthusiasm that would rival any sports fan of any team on a good day. 
And so we need to take that kind of thinking that we enjoy right here and say to somebody else who hasn't been to this restaurant yet, who hasn't read this book yet, who hasn't seen this movie yet, man, you need to hear about this. And so let's remind ourselves of this context. Where are we in the the midst of all of this? As we have taken this study of the healthy habits, our goal is for the purpose of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says we are to train ourselves in godliness. Therefore, we read, we study, and we memorize our Bible. For the purpose of godliness, we pray on our own and we pray together. And for the purpose of godliness, we go with good news. Who doesn't want to share good news? I mean, we get enough bad news as it is. And there's stuff we want to be aware of. And sadly, we spend oftentimes more time focusing on the train wreck than looking for the good news. We don't want to be oblivious to circumstances like the war in Ukraine and the challenges in our society and in that aspect of things. But I'm here to tell you, we have an opportunity to let a light shine in the darkness. And we have the privilege of being ambassadors of good news. But I'm not unaware that as we get started, we might find ourselves in one of three categories. So I'm going to ask you, just on a personal level, to listen to these categories. And where do you find yourself this morning as it relates to uh, your witness You're exercising, if you will, utilizing, fulfilling the calling of the habit of evangelism. Where do you see yourself? Would you see yourself, number one, as a confident witness who has led people to Christ and trained others? Or maybe as number two, a believer who has shared the gospel more than a few times, but has yet to develop a consistent lifestyle of a witness. Or maybe number three, A novice, someone who either has never been encouraged or trained to share Christ or is generally too afraid to try. Now, just being honest with yourself, not raising your hands or saying, here, I'm a one and a half and I'm a two and three quarters or this is where I find myself. But maybe it is. It's somewhere along that kind of spectrum of categories. Where do you find yourself as we begin this aspect of our investigation and discovery biblically as to what the Bible has to say about this habit? And then how we can be helpfully encouraging to one another as we desire to grow in consistency here. So just kind of put that there. I'm hopeful that if you you start out at a three and you go, man, I'm not on that. I'm like a four something, you know, further on down the line. I hope that as we go through this that you'll move a step. Just a step. 
Our expectations sometimes for ourselves, when we find ourselves not fulfilling a habit that the Bible calls us to live out, scripture memorization, praying, worship, tithing in our stewardship, our service in ministry, that aspect of fasting that we have talked about and those other things is that, man, if I don't go from not doing it at all or not doing it well to doing it perfectly overnight, then why bother or I'm never going to get there? Man, let's not set ourselves up to fail. Let's set ourselves up to succeed in this sense. We know what the goal is. We're going to define the goal again for ourselves this morning on this habit of evangelism. And then let's take steps and let's celebrate progress as we go along. So let's start. Where do we need to start? We need to start from the beginning. The main call The main call always is found in Matthew 28. I know I said turn to John 9. Maybe most of us have heard these verses from Matthew 28. This is kind of that springboard to begin in in John. But in Matthew 28, verse 18, we read these familiar words. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're saying, man, you're talking about evangelism and you're not going to preach this text, or you're going to try to talk about it here in this time frame, you're setting yourself up to be frustrated. Well, yes and no. There is multiple sermons that you could derive from these verses alone in the area of evangelism. But here's my hope. My hope is that we are all familiar with this calling, this commission, the great commission that we have been given. That there's not a debate that this is a real thing. This is a real calling. That this is something that we need to go, okay, yes, I agree. This is a thing we should do. I think we all understand biblically that this is what Jesus said we should do. Our challenges come further down the line, but let's set ourselves up to understand what he said. What's the primary calling of these verses in verses 19 and 20 specifically? That primary calling is to make disciples of all nations. That's our goal. If we simply find disciples already who have been converted and continue to grow them, we're doing a part, but we're not doing all that we've been called to do. If we simply go looking to essentially catch fish, throw them in the basket, and then move on to catch more fish and leave these others to try to figure it out on their own, we're not doing all that we've been called to do. Biblically, evangelism and discipleship walk hand in hand. They are intertwined and cannot be easily separated. You cannot have one without the other. That's why a lot of uh, folks that I know, read people that I read, talk about the idea of evangelism is being disciples who make disciples. That's our commission. That is our calling. How do we do this? Well, right here, and I have been guilty of this. And I want to kind of really mess everything up that I've done for a number of years. We tend to, when you're strong in discipleship, and that's the thing you like the most, try to minimize the impact of our shortcomings on evangelism by saying, 
the big verb here is make disciples, and the rest are just going, baptizing, teaching. And there's some truth to that, but we're oversimplifying things if we minimize that first command in that set of what we would call participial verbs, and it is the word go. Coming first in the line is not just a a necessary chronological event that takes place here, but it is an emphatic placement for a command. The command is make disciples, and the make disciples go get them. Go, that is introducing others who may know about Jesus but don't know Jesus to Jesus himself for themselves. Yes, we go make disciples of all nations. That's a whole nother message right there. Not just our nation, not just our ethnicity. Of all nations. Baptizing is to connect them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That baptism is an act of obedience, is a following, a command of our Lord. It is connecting. It is also a show of identity. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because I've publicly, whether it's inside the church in a baptistry here or like it has been done in pioneer areas or like it was done in our country before we got into our buildings and all these things down by the river. Baptism in the lake, in the pond, in the creek. That's an area where it says, hey, I am unashamed of the gospel. I'm reminded of being in Senegal, West Africa. Several years ago. And the big challenge there, there was a huge river right near where we were standing. It's the Casamance in southern Senegal. And the challenge that was faced there by those who were sharing the gospel and the, the churches that were begun there is that that level of baptism that was out in a public place made an impact on their lives both what we would look at as positive and negative. It can mean the loss of relationships, loss of family connections, but it also was an opportunity to say, I am a sinner, I need a Savior, and Jesus is my Lord. And so there's that beautiful connecting point, and then teaching is growing So we have going that is introducing, baptizing that is connecting, and then teaching is growing them to observe everything I've commanded you. And the beautiful promise from Jesus himself is that, remember, I am with you always throughout every aspect of this journey. Just by way of reminder, this isn't the only place Jesus said something about this. Luke 24, verse 47 says, And repentance For forgiveness of sin will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Had the Father sent Jesus to go into this world and say, You need a Savior. Sin has entrapped you in death. The wages of sin is death. But the good news 
is that Jesus came, the one and only begotten Son of God, that whoever believes in him should not perish, die forever, but have forever life, everlasting, eternal life. So there's the beginning point. The beginning focus for us is this commission is not an option. It is definitely a calling. It is a command that we have been given. But as soon as we find that, we find challenges that we face. Let me ask you a question. When you think about challenges, what freaks you out? If we're talking about my wife, and I didn't ask her permission for this, but I'm going to step off the edge of the stage anyway. What freaks her out? Spiders. Look, everybody knows. I don't even have to, I don't even have to say it. What freaks her out is spiders. I mean, all you got to do is come up behind her and do this a little bit. and You know, I can tell you what freaks Lynette Gibson out, but that would be something else that I don't need to do. <coughs> but there you go. There are aspects of, you know, when we think about what, what just makes us, you know, kind of shake in our shoes or makes us go, hey, uh, in, in different ways. Those areas that just stop us and say, uh-uh, not going to do it. You know, we, we have those areas in our life. And when it comes to evangelism, we have those things in our life too that kind of freaks us out, that makes us want to stop and go, hey, I can't share Jesus with somebody because. Well, I want to talk about some of those challenges. Set up some things to say, hey, maybe you've thought like this yourself too, like I have. Like many who've gone before us, who are with us right now, and who will come after us, will face these same challenges. The first one I'm going to just call the Ephesians 4.11 card. The Ephesians 4.11 reads like this. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And what I mean by pulling out the Ephesians 4.11 card is... I'm not called to be an evangelist like in this list right here. Therefore, that's not my job. Somebody else, God's called somebody else to do this. And that's an, an area that we can fall into that trap of trying to go, hey, maybe there's some other concerns or challenges or fears that I have. But this one says, hey, listen, I can use this and, and then I can just walk away from any feeling of responsibility in this direction. And I will say this. The scripture definitely has called those to be evangelists that have a specific and unique calling as I'm saying this, you're going through those in history that you've heard of before. The most notable one that we would know in any of our generations right now would be Billy Graham. That's the first person who comes to my mind. Luis Palau is a new one. You go before that to Dwight Moody. You could go before that and, and you know the list could keep going either direction. And yes, God has equipped them with a special calling and gifting to share the gospel to numerous people and to see many, many people come to Christ as their Savior through them. But I want us to think like we look at Matthew 28 and think like this when it comes to the temptation to use this kind of card. We, we might better look at 1 Peter 2.9 as our card for life. 
Now, we're good with this verse, and it was something that as I was reading the book in, in preparation, one of the resources I'm using for this study brought this out and says, when you hear 1 Peter 2, 9, you're great with the first part of the verse. We have this one down pat. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. And we go, ooh, thank you, Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But do you realize there's more to that verse? I mean, you can see it on the, on the, on the screen. Why are we a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession? The next word says, so that. Here's why. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that you, 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 I can't point everybody out at once, but just take that and take it, it's you. So that you may proclaim. We have been given a beautiful opportunity, and where God calls, he equips and enables us to fulfill his calling. So that may be a challenge we have. We go, listen, that's somebody else's job. But maybe there's, there's this one here. It's the go where you've never gone before challenge. That means that if I'm really going to be an evangelist, I've got to step out of my neighborhood. I've got to step out of my relationships. And I'm not really fulfilling the habit of evangelism and witnessing in my life if I don't go somewhere else. Now here's the deal. My answer to that is yes and no. Some of us are way too well sheltered from the lost. By that I mean more than 75, 80, maybe even 90% of our relationships are with other Christians. And so in some sense, yes, you're going to have to step out of that comfort zone to be very intentional to share the gospel with somebody else. The other is, no, it doesn't mean you have to leave Kansas City and go to Oklahoma, that you have to leave Kansas City and go to New York, that you have to leave Kansas City and end up in Eastern Europe. You don't have to leave Kansas City and end up, I was gonna say Antarctica, there's not a lot of people there, but, God has planted us right here. And the statistics are staggering for Kansas City alone and Clay Como included in that of the lostness that is all around us. And I'm willing to say that maybe a, the vast majority of our close personal friendships are with those who are fellow believers but that we know more lost people than we care to think about or that we care to engage in this way. Whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a coworker, boss, it's a fellow student, it's a family member, whatever that person may be for us. So yeah, maybe I need to go where I've never gone before, and maybe I just need to open my eyes to what I've never seen before. Next, 
I need special training. I mean, I can't really be an evangelist if I don't have the evangelism explosion credentials. I've been to the class. I've passed the course. If you don't know what evangelism explosion is, you're not old enough. (laughs) Or you're maybe really Baptist and you need to hear it as continuing witnessing training instead of EE. CWT. We Baptist for a generation were good about borrowing from others to have to put a Baptist name on it. That's another story for another time. But I've got to have that 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 faith training. F A I T H acronym to evangelism. Or do way of the matter. I've got to have the training. We'll get back to that in a minute. Now, here's another one that until I read this, I hadn't really thought much about. But there may be another challenge, and it's called the seriousness of the task. Because maybe we are seeing this, and what stops us, what freaks us out is this is real life, eternal heaven and hell stuff. And I don't want to mess somebody up. That's the fear. I'm going to share or try to share with somebody and it's going to go sideways or it's going to go this way. And we have the fear of instead of leading someone to Christ, we will mislead them away. Maybe that's a fear. Maybe that, that's what holds us going. Man, if I don't have the degree, if I don't have the training, I better not. Hold on to that one. We'll get back to that in a minute too. We've already said one thing. Remember what Jesus said in verse 20 of Matthew 28? I am with you always. Hold on to that. Now, here's the other thing that freaks us out. I've tried it before and didn't succeed. I'm a failure as a witness. What constitutes success as an evangelist, an evangelizer, a witness? Maybe we've gotten out of context here to the point where the only thing that counts as success is not only did I come and share the good news with Kelly, who's this lost, miserable sinner, but she rejected it and goes, you know what, sounds nice for you, but really I don't have time for it. Thanks, but no thanks. And that I'm not successful until I make her believe. Now, to quote one of my favorite pastors, Charles Spurgeon, I don't know of anyone as an evangelist, as a witness, that goes out hoping to not see somebody come to Christ. That would be unthinkable. The very reason we go is that others would know him as we have come to know him and understand the beauty of his grace and forgiveness. But the success of my witness is not dependent on her accepting Christ. It is that I have been faithful to communicate the gospel, to share with someone else who is a lost person like I was, who needs to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. So maybe these, maybe I didn't come across, maybe there's another thing that freaks you out about evangelism. 
And I'd love to invite you on Wednesday nights to join us as we get together. That's going to be our workshop area, that, the gymnasium we've talked about, about you know coming to that point of training ourselves in godliness. In this area of evangelism on Wednesday nights, let's talk about those things that freak us out. We're going to talk about ways to help encourage one another in faithfulness as we look at the truths that we have focused on each week in, in this wonderful habit. As we conclude today... I want to share with you the way to go, and that's John chapter 9. All of these things that freak us out, all, uh, so many of these aspects of the challenges that we put in front of ourselves regarding our witness and our evangelism are constructions that have developed in, in our lifetimes and, and since the advent, if you will, of the gospel message. Because if we go back and look at John chapter 9, this wonderful story, I would hold this individual up to you as a very faithful evangelist. And so let's look at who he is and what he does. This is a man who was born blind. The first few verses introduce us to this question of what happened to this person for the reason that he was born blind. And the disciples are having a discussion and a debate. And Jesus in verse 6 kind of heads in a different direction. He says, after he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. I'd say God changed his life. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit begging? And some said, He's the one. Others were saying, No, but he looks like him. I mean, it can't be, can it? He kept saying, I'm the one. So they asked him, so they asked him Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, listen to this, he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. He's been a witness. He has been faithful to say, here is what God has done in my life. Now, lest we think that here, what I'm going to set up for you is this guy is foolproof, bulletproof evangelist. I love verse 12. He gets asked a question. Anybody afraid of getting asked a question you cannot answer when you're sharing the gospel with someone who's lost? I'm not trained. Listen to this. They ask a question. Where is he? They asked. Here is his well-trained EECWT way of the master evangelism training program answer. I don't know. I don't know, he said. Here's what I know. He told me to go what? He made this mud. He put it on my eyes. He said, go wash. I see. Yes, I'm that guy. My life has been changed by Jesus. Where is he? I don't know. Here's hope for you and me. That when we get asked the question, we don't know the answer. What can we say? I don't know. 
somebody's sharing the guy, you're sharing the gospel with, they ask you this theological question to maybe try and trip you up, or it may be a genuine hang up for them. And they go, How about this? And you go, I don't know. It's a good question. We'll talk about what can you do with that as a distraction or as a helpful bridge to further conversation. But that's the the picture that he gives. He says, I I don't know, but let's skip down to verse 24. He goes through this whole back and forth. And the the Pharisees and and all of them, they come out and they try to get a whole handle on this. And they even try to draw his parents in and the parents are afraid. Amen. He's old enough. Don't ask us. So they call him in once, they call him in a second time, verse 24. So a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. Speaking of Jesus. He answered, Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? A constant faithfulness to the message. I was blind. I was lost. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind but now I see. Beautiful parallel. Thank you, John Newton. Give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. He said, listen, that debate, that's for y'all. All I know is this. I was blind, now I see, and Jesus is the one who changed me. Well, tell us how he did. I, what more can I say? Now, this one goes off the rails for us because he goes... You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And that sounds a little bit harsh to us. But have you ever had those who antagonistically attack Jesus and they keep trying to poke at it and and you just want to stop and say, are you actually seeking to understand or are you seeking to reject? And recognizing the fact that what Jesus even said about when they don't receive you in a city to his disciples, shake the dust off and move on, is this kind of moment. Now, that's not without effort. That doesn't mean you share the gospel, they reject once. I'm done with you. I'm out of here. No. But there's a realization that sometimes the message is not received. And I said this was the way. That's not true. There's another one. I just want to make mention of her. John chapter 4. Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. In verse 21, he says this, Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus just absolutely drops the bomb. 
Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I am the Messiah. They have a little bit of a further conversation. We're going to skip to verse 28 there. It says, then the woman left her water jar. Why was she there? She was there to get water. She, wow, things have changed. She left her water jar, went into town, and told the people. Evangelism 101. Everything changed. Here's somebody who told me everything I ever did and shared with me the good news of the Messiah, the one who is called the Christ, the Savior. Out of her experience, she directed people to the truth. What happened after is, could this be the Messiah? Even just asking a question. We don't have to in our evangelism come and say, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. If you don't believe me, you're just stupid. That's not a great evangelism tactic or approach. Hey, 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 let me tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did and showed me the love that no one else has ever shown me. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 39 of John chapter 4 says this. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Goes on further there through verse 42 to say, hey, not only this, but now that we've come and heard him, not only because of what you said, but because we've seen further evidence of the truth, we are following Jesus. The beauty of the picture of evangelism is you don't have to have it all together to be an altogether good evangelist. Did the blind man have it all figured out? Did he have the seminary degree? Did, did he have evangelism training? The answer is no. Did the woman at the well who was an outcast in society have it all together? How dare she go into the center of town and say, hey, guys, listen to me. But she did. What? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? What we're going to be talking about, especially on Wednesday evenings during our prayer meeting time, is to me the most effective approach to evangelism is conversation, not a program. Not a, a memorized scheme, but a conversation. So I hope you'll join us on Wednesday nights for that kind of time together as we stumble our way through this faithfulness together. You see, we begin our time considering the habit of evangelism by admitting our struggles with it. Because we all face challenges in various areas of the habits in our life. In prayer, in, in Bible reading, in memorization, in meditation, and in, in the various other areas that are encouraged for our life biblically. And I pray that we will gain greater confidence in the days ahead. I pray that we would find that encouragement from the Bible as we seek to find the truth revealed. And on Wednesday nights that we would be ready to encourage and challenge each other, to hold each other accountable, to also to lift each other up in prayer as we seek to 
share the gospel with a world around us that needs to hear it because we needed to hear it if somebody else shared it with us. Man, what a privilege it will be for us to be able to share with somebody else. There's no greater joy that I've had in my life than to share the gospel with somebody, see them come to know Christ. Whether it be in a situation like a preaching time, whether it be one-on-one, whether it be a vacation Bible school in heaven, the kids go, I want to know Jesus. Different areas, different times, different opportunities. But I'm here to tell you, I know I need to be more faithful in my witness. I imagine all of us do. And even if we're going, hey, I think I'm being pretty faithful, all of us need to be mindful of looking for all of the opportunities around us that are there for us to let others know about the love of Christ. The Bible says you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Hey, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's another encouragement for our witness and evangelism. Thank you.